Hi, so today is the final chapter of Runaway Success and how this uh, episode, this uh, endeavor of Thaddeus Lawrence has uh, used resourceful influencing to create in syncness or the other way around, in syncness has become resourceful influencing along with it he has also proven the ultra endurance that every person aspiring for success should undergo. So let us start reading the final chapter. So chapter five, post four deserts. So what he has learned about influence, resourceful influencing after going through that exercise of four deserts. Participations, the prize. Sitting in the bus on the way back to Cairo, I experienced an anticlimax, a palpable. Let me see whether I have started recording. Yes. A palpable deflation. I am overwhelmed by a sense of emptiness and wonder if it is a post event withdrawal symptom. I came to test myself and to see how far I could go. The 250 kilometers provided the setting for me to look at my choices. Years after I first envisaged myself completing an event of this magnitude, I have done it. The previous months have been filled with eager anticipation. Yet, post-race, the dominant thought in my head is the question, was that it? I do not feel what I should be feeling. What should I be feeling? I should be happy that I completed this race. Where a quarter of comp competitors failed to finish in a race of attrition, I completed it. My main aim met. I also fulfilled my desire to not finish last. By placing at the top of the bottom third of the field, I'm happy, but less happy than if I had placed bottom of the middle third. What my mind is doing becomes appallingly clear. By shifting the goalposts after the event, I am setting myself up for failure. I came to challenge myself, but upon completion, I change my comparison group and lament that I have not achieved enough. Raising the planet staff, Sam Hilly, puts me in my place with her gentle mockery. Oh, sure, Thaddeus, you have accomplished nothing. You have merely come out to the hottest desert in the world for the very first time and skipped through 250 grueling kilometers. Come off it. I feel that there is not much to show for the week. In light of the scenes of carnage witnessed at the end of each stage in the medical tent, I emerged embarrassingly unscathed from this desert adventure. While the rough terrain and ill-fitting shoes caused many their toenails and resulted in swaths of skin mutating into a wasteland of raw flesh, I escaped with five small blisters and a sore tender. My only other troubles are a niggling stomach, 
two month ulcers, 26 kilometers lighter, kilograms lighter and a body aroma more potent than any artificial repellent. A fellow competitor provides the perspective that I have got it right in terms of physical preservation and am the envy of those in poor shape. The results prove that I have attained my goal of completing, completing the race in a fit state of body. What more can I ask for? I ought to pat myself on the back and stop downplaying my performance. I have also discovered that my limits are much further than I had initially reckoned. In putting myself through an arduous undertaking that is in all probability more grueling and punishing than anything I had ever attempted, I found great reserves of untapped strength. Yet, I am a little disappointed. We perform our best when we are pushed to our peak, and I feel I did not push myself all the way. For many of us, our sense of well-being is heavily dependent on success in our chosen areas. Success does not mean being number one, but performing up to our own expectations and being the best that we can be. If we do not meet our expectations, the result may be chronic disappointment and depression. Having expectations that are too high engenders failure rather than success and leads to more stress instead of fulfillment. On the flip side, expectations that are too low similarly leads to failure because they do not stretch our capacities and help develop competence and confidence. The result is underachievement. My unreasonableness in the form of high self-expectation forces me into a no-win corner. I should favor positive acceptancy, expectancy instead. Heightened positive expectancy is akin to receiving a present. I have faith that a present is in the offing that will please. All it takes is for me to slowly unravel the ribbon and wrapper and reveal the gift within. It is to believe and act as if there is no way I can be disappointed. A conviction that is expressed not in a forceful or assertive manner, but with a uncynical sense of hope. It means I look forward with trustful confidence to new possibilities and am ready to receive good things and good people. It is a surrender, not as in feeling defeated, but in spiritual sense of having faith. Through letting go of rigid expectations, I free myself from tension, struggle, and stress and open up to abundant aspiration and insightful possibilities. Every man's ultra. It is the end of 2010 and I stand at the start line of the 15 kilometers New Balance real run. The real run is billed as Singapore's only, only multi-terrain race and takes runners across taxiway, gravel, road, and sand. All around me are fit-looking runners in all manner of running kit. Some are serious to the point of looking great. I attempt to balance the mood with a breezy demeanor and carefree outlook, being used to the more measured stars in smaller ultra events. I am a little rattled as participants surge forward and sprint ahead at the 
behest of the horn, kicking up a cloud of dust and dart. I carve out my own space and soon fall into the middle of the mob. After a bit of sandy track, we head onto the road. It is a nice long stretch on a park connector that runs parallel to the airport runway. Everyone settles into his own rhythm. The race leaders reach the halfway turnaround point and head back in the opposite direction. I recognize a few faces and we call out to one another. I like the friendliness. Then I too reach the halfway mark and make a U-turn. As I head back on the return portion, I see the stragglers behind. They come in all shapes and sizes. Some are slim but clearly unfit. Others are hefty and carrying a weight dis disadvantage. They are dripping with perspiration and making hard work of the run. It is clear they are fighting their own demons and I suspect they are out of their element. Suddenly, the meaning of these races dawns on me. Ordinarily, an ultra marathon is any foot race extending beyond the standard marathon distance of 42.195 kilometers. These runs can take place on tarmac roads, cross-country trails, or mountain tracks. Ultra races typically cover a specified distance ranging from 50 kilometers to multi-day events of over 1,000 kilometers. While there is no limit to these enormous distances, participants are pushed all the way to their own physical and mental ages. It is this latter feature that distinguishes an ultra for me. You take yourself on an unparalleled journey and enter an undefined dimension of experience. Your mind, body, and spirit are stressed and tested in a way that you can only imagine. A myriad of, myriad of emotions wash over you. One moment you may be stricken with dreadful apprehension, distress, distressing panic, and hopeless capitulation. And the next, you are in a state of euphoric resolve, peaceful joy, and intoxicating freedom. It is an emotional roller coaster. ride of epic proportions and the extreme swiping over. Swiping over. Swiping either uplift or deplete you. An ultra Therefore, is defined not by concrete distance, but by how far you take yourself. And here, in a race of modest distance, are people taking themselves to a road less traveled. It is not just 15 kilometers. To them, it is an ultra. And they are fighting tooth and nail to keep themselves in the running. They hug, the, they lock their feet. They pause at an aid station. They hobble up a slight hope, slight slope, and they gasp for air. Pain sears through every cell of their bodies. Their faces are crimson and their t-shirts are pasted to their skins. You can tell those who intend to go all the way and finish what they started. Even as they slow to a 
based role they are not giving up this is what it is about this is their ultra this is how they live their lives it is said that how you do anything is how you do everything here the character of these runners is on full display i once heard a running coach give a public lecture on training for a marathon in between his sharing of techniques he decided those who walk and dismiss their participation as a waste of time they might as well not bother signing up in the first place he scoffed he misses the point these people may hop like a steam engine on a deep gradient and slow go slow to a walk but they keep going through the arduous kilometers and when they thud triumphantly triumphantly across the finish line they may even place last but it does not matter that is good as good as a win they fully deserve their medal to the core because they took themselves to a whole new level in the toughest physical undertaking they have ever faced and their lives will forever change the final lines of english poet lord alfred tennyson's ulysses serve as a commemoration to this spirit we are not now that strength which in old days moved earth and heaven that which we are we are one equal temper of heroic hearts made weak by time and fate but strong in will to strive to seek to find and not to yield this verse resonates with those driven by the single minded resolve not to yield in the face of often overwhelming odds it celebrates the triumph of the willing spirit over the weak flesh appropriately the final line is inscribed on a large wooden cross at observation hill antarctica as a permanent memorial to commemorate explorer captain robert falcon scott and his party who died on their return trek from the south pole in 1912 death and suffering is a somber reminder that despite all the surrounding beauty of our and adventures it is not always fun and games especially out in the desert nature rules we with true temperatures up to a scorching 51 degrees celsius in the sahara the tag furnace of china testifies to the hot and arid climate of the torpan basin in gobi just getting to antarctica meant enduring the turbulent and treacherous trek passage renowned for sinking many a ship atacama is home to over 10% of the world's active volcanoes with regular eruptions happening on a yearly basis that is why we never conquer such places i cringe each time journalists report a successful expedition as a conquest people do not conquer deserts any more than we can conquer mountains oceans or the skies we are allowed to survive them and permitted to thrive and those who have had their lives indelibly marked by such an experience experience understand and respect the powers of mother nature what we do conquer is our perceived limitations our fears fear is the oldest and most powerful emotion and it acts 
either as a motivator or as an inhibitor. For many of us, fear is the consummate action killer. It bullies the mind into submission and murders all ambition. We let fear stop us from going out to be and get what we really want. It is tricky to describe specifically what one is afraid of, but at some level, it is the unknown that triggers fear. Yet for others, it is precisely the unknown which makes fear exciting. Their curiosity trumps even their courage and they conquer the barriers of fear to try something new. There is a special mindset. My initial declaration to get off the coach and plunge into endurance racing was met with cries of, you are crazy. Why do you want to put yourself through all that sort of thing? Have you, not, have you got nothing better to do? Some wondered incredulously why I would want to go anywhere near such extreme. Some doubted that I would go ahead or that I would succeed. Yet others earnestly thought the entire endeavor was insane. For these people, they did not understand and perhaps never will. Yet it is these same people who eventually changed their time and proclaimed their pride in me when I had wrapped up the entire series. It seems that they needed to see some proof to believe. Exclamation like wow, amazing and incredible became the order of the day. People were genuinely moved and inspired. I still find it amusing when people gush and gasp over what I have accomplished. Journalists and reporters want a piece of me and I receive great applause and acknowledgement at my talks. Athletes respect, their, respect the achievement and non-athletes are in awe of this extraordinary feat. <clears throat> then I hear it, the wish, the doubt and the resignation. I wish I could do what you did. I don't think I have what it takes. I'll never be able to do the same. The dominant attitude is cannot. All kinds of reasons are proffered as to why they cannot. The busy ones cite their existing business as the main obstacles to their cranking out a proper training regimen. Those out of shape say they are not equal to the task due to their poor physical condition. Even conditioned triathletes tell me they are used to vigorous one-day con contest and cannot imagine standing up to the draining rigor of a multi-day event. Yet others blame their age. They are either too young and not ready or too old and past their prime. I smile the smile of the embattled veteran. The one who has been there and know better because I know that anyone can do it with a measure of grit and grace. We can if we just want it enough. It is never about our not being able to do it, but about our not having a good enough reason to do so. There is no compelling desire because of if there were there would be commitment and dedication to making it happen. Among the creatures that will live in the desert, butterflies are the most unlikely. Deserts are inimical to butterflies and the rich presence of painted ladies in the Sahara 
point to their developing exceptional survival capabilities. Over the course of time, animals evolve to adapt to their environment and humans are no different. We too are survivors and have astonishing coping mechanism. As my race mentor, Kahshin, blogged during one of his races, the human body is definitely one of the best self-adapting pieces of machinery ever designed. After two days of getting bashed in the world's harshest running environment, the body quickly adapts. Our ankles learn to twist and our knees learn to bend to maintain a firmer grip. Our body becomes stronger and our pain threshold increases. In other words, we can. We can if we want to want it enough. To assume the starting position is important. When we believe that we can and when we have an intense yearning, we start taking inspired action to be a runaway success. People become more active, wake up earlier to dream, give up smoking, temper their drinking, raise the money, adjust their schedules. In short, we do whatever it takes. This is how we have a 75-year-old race alongside a 19-year-old. A CEO and a student urge each other on a, on a blind man stand tall among sighted ones and amateurs share pointers with an elite racer. Survivors of accidents and illnesses compete with those leading a charm life. The busy professionals go head to head with an extended vacationer. The hard-pressed parents join forces with carefree singles. People from all walks of life converse to race just because they can and they want to. There is always a litany of excuses why we cannot do something. They are all true because we have known or witnessed all too often how dreams dissolve into a quicksand of fear and negativity. At the same time, there is also a catalog of proof that dreams do not do come alive. These are also all true because we still hold dear in our inmost hearts the vision of a beautiful life. And some have been willing to leave that vision into reality with an energy and a positive expectancy that it can happen. When that becomes a truth we believe in and take action, then it does happen. But the bridge from believing to achieving is a long one. Taking action is actually simple. The hardest part is taking that first step, transferring talk to work. The longest distance I have even run is one that I cover every day. And that is from, I'll do it tomorrow, to, okay, let us do this. The yeah, but excuse is one of the biggest escape clauses of life. It allows us to seek security under the pretense of honor or to hide behind the cloak of logic. It is always easy to hide behind our potential while observing other successes and say, I could have done that. Or that is easy. Anyone could do it. But did, he, did you? The bottom line is that they did it and you did not. Much like running, 
life is not a spectator sport you either do it or you do not if you just stand and watch from the sidelines you will never reach the finishing line to get what you want you have got to get up and meet the challenge as acclaimed filmmaker woody allen once remarked 80% of success is showing up and participating looking back on four deserts experience i recall those classified under the dreaded dnf did not finish they are those whom the organizers pulled out for medical safety reasons others missed the cut off time yet others withdrew because they felt they had nothing left to take them any further when we register for these races we all know what we are signing up for it is a unique holiday and an infliction of pain in an area of breathtaking beauty that is also a living hell where life and death hang in the balance participants recognize how hard it is to go the distance but are willing to put in the necessary hard work all know there is a possibility of not finishing but make the personal sacrifice anyway we understand we do not have full control over everything but put ourselves in the mercy of the elements and circumstances regardless we participate 100% and give everything to the very end yet there is no shame should we fail to finish we appreciate the fact that despite our toughness sometimes our minds and bodies have boundaries yet to be breached but we can raise our heads with pride and say that we dared to fail in such a gallant way is to be heroic nonetheless so to attempt to finish or to finish at all one has to participate in the first place theodore roosevelt 1910 citizen in republic speech pays tribute to those who dare, who dare it is not the critic who counts not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the door of deeds could have done better the credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood who strives valiantly who errs and comes up short again and again because there is no effort without error or shortcoming but who knows the great enthusiasm the great devotions who spends himself for a worthy cause who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement and who at the worst if he fails at least he fails while daring greatly so that his place shall never be with those bold and timid souls who knew neither victory nor defeat raising the bar it is often said said that in such a race first you run with your legs then with your head and finally with your heart a measure of fitness and stamina is necessary to begin with those who think that they can wing it with minimal training will be the first to have their lack of readiness exposed fortunately there are few who fall into this category races of such proportions are self selecting in the sense that those without full commitment to the endeavor weed themselves out very early on for the rest who put in the physical preparation 
most races are lost in the mind of the individual long before they are physically lost on the course. It is the mind more than the body that will bring their progress to a grinding halt. Racers will face inner turmoils to the point where one has to decide if one still has what it takes to carry on or to give up. At that time when motivation is low and signs of giving in are noticeable, we have to summon the mental strength to push on. These are the pivotal moments where some struggle to cope with their debilitated bodies while others grow in stature. At some point during such multi-day events, the inevitable question of what am I doing this for? I will be the first to acknowledge that there is a certain sense of glory in such pursuits. To be able to say, I have been there and done, done that, and to earn a spot in the annals of history as one of the one of a tiny number of people in the world to have accomplished such a feat is a very strong driver. But bragging rights alone can only go this far, which as it happens is not a very far at all. The desert has no room for inflated egos. One of the powerful aspects of such events is to be able to remove ourselves from the trivial pressures and expectations of daily life. Any illusion of self-importance is very quickly exposed. There must be a bigger reason why anyone would engage in such a high-stakes game. Brighton Triman Kent was a member of the special forces who lost his beloved wife to cancer. Now a single parent of two children, he has dedicated himself to helping others through a charity in her memory. His is a heart-wrenching story about how his wife's death was a gift that taught him to start giving back to life after years of taking from it. His four deserts challenge was an emotional passage where he made the transformation from what he himself admits was a nasty piece of work to being a more loving and caring father. Brighton, Wanda Seamus is another individual whose maternal love brought on a sterling performance. Struck by altitude sickness in the Atacama crossing, she had a horrendous first day and came in at the tail end of the pack. With her children following her progress on the internet at home, she knew that her abysmal showing would cause them endless worry. Since there was no system of sending out messages, the only way of communicating to them that she was on her was to go all out the next day and produce a fine result. This was how, in spite of a crushing headache and a weary leave, she stormed up the standings in day two. She threw everything on the line just to just so her children could see that mummy was fine. Beyond personal stakes, many competitors raise funds for charity. I selected the Straight Times School Pocket Fund, which gives pocket money to needy children. Grace Heaven, a residential home for kids from dysfunctional families, and Operation Smile, which treats children born with 
cleft lips, cleft palates, and other facial deformities. My choice of beneficiaries was no doubt. Influenced by my previous work with underprivileged youths in the villages of Tanzania and street children from the slums of Bangkok, I suspect also that my former role as a teacher played a major part, as Gandhi once pointed out. If we are to have real peace, we must start with the children. Running for a cause, especially one that impacts directly on the lives of people, gives meaning to the risk. It puts at stake something bigger than myself and fosters a profound respect for pain and suffering that is endured on a daily basis. Personally, meeting these children put faces to the numbers and connects me with them in a deeper and lasting way. With their views and beliefs about what is possible riding on my races, I learn to care about the impact of my decisions on them. On those occasions when I even remotely contemplated throwing in the, in the towel, I asked myself what I would tell the children upon my return. That was enough to spur me on. In my quest to obtain sponsorship and raise funds for my charities, I received help from several quarters. In an age of commercial scandals, corporate greed and financial tightening, it was heartening to find organizations with a heart of gold. Companies big and small rose to the occasion to lend support in different ways. All of them were a part of my four desert challenges. Without being there themselves, they were part of the entire machinery that made it all possible. Italian Renaissance painter Michelangelo once said, the greater danger for most of us is not that our aim is too high and we miss it, but that, is, that, that it is too low and we reach it. Nowhere does this ring truer for me than my past fundraise for the straight time school pocket fund. My initial fundraising goal of $250,000 was decried as unrealistic and overly ambitious. I was advised to pare my target amount down to something more achievable. Someone even suggested that I use as a benchmark the average amount typically I raised by individuals. That is $3,000 to $4,000. For a moment, I considered revising my goal downwards. I could exceed that average and still set a feasible target of $5,000. But no sooner had I seriously considered that substantial revision that I lost interest. To make such a small impact was to play small. I had no desire to succumb to conventional thinking. I kept to my initial target and passed the head around to all and sundry. It was a whole lot tougher than I had anticipated and I developed a brand new respect for those in fundraising. In the end, I missed my target by a mile. I did not get anywhere close to the quarter of a million I wanted, but I managed to raise $60,000. If I had gone for what was considered a more realistic number, I would most probably have hit it 
end, I would likely have stopped after exceeding $5,000 or $6,000. And I would have never have known it possible for one man to garner $60,000. In aiming for a sum in the moon, I missed it and I ended up in the stars. That experience paved the way for a subsequent collaboration with pet lovers, lover centers, Braving Antarctica Initiative. Putting our heads and hearts together, we amassed over $110,000 in sponsorship and funds. The sky is indeed the limit. Picture the quintessential adventure and Herculean pictures come to mind. A strapping man or a sculptured woman standing windblown against the elements, fearless in defying insurmountable odds, pushing their bodies to the precarious edges of peril, all to realize a lofty dream. This portal smacks of conquest, of heroism, of grand ambition, of extra human feats, of a prodigious commitment to larger than life ideas. While those elements are present, they do not tell the complete story. In a bid to feel alive, I have thrown myself over more than a few ages. That is the age of airplanes. On every single jump, I have scared myself silly, but nothing can describe the sense of exhilaration that washes over me every single time I land safely under my parachute. That is one time when I came crashing down at high speed onto the tarmac of an airport runway and miraculously escaped with a relatively high punishment of six months on crutches, gave rise to an even more heightened appreciation of life. I have also bungee jumped, quad biked, wake boarded, sand boarded, snow boarded, kite surfed, and white water rafted. I loved all those rip roaring moments of pushing myself to the extreme. But those were mere thrills, short lived moments of adrenaline pumping rushes. Dissatisfied, I sought something more lasting. Taking the plunge into the desert foot racing, I put myself further on the edge of survival and pushed the envelope of performance. To blend mind and body and take myself into a world less trodden, that is what adventure is about. It is the curiosity to see the other side of what if, to peer into a deep, deeper understanding of self. As a line goes in dive, Another day, a spy film in the James Bond series, it is only by being on the edge that we know who, who we really are. The body lends itself as a vehicle, the hardware that complements the software, the mind, and over the course of the grueling journey, the hardware is revealed. Finishing produces none of the dramatic climaxes or dizzying intensity associated with most other sports. The sight of delir delirious fans jumping off their seats or cheering spectators lining the streets is conspicuously absent. There are no rapturous celebrations and no one in the stands to witness our finest moment of accomplishing something great and magnificent. There is neither blood rush to the head nor heady start thumping, neither guttural roar nor primal scream. Peeling off these outer layers 
uncovers the core of our experience. Our epiphany lies in understanding, appreciation and respect. We gain a genuine understanding that the true rewards come not in receiving in medal, but in staying present in the now moment. We develop an honest appreciation of the strength of the human spirit and true powers that lie within every individual. We acquire a heartfelt respect for all that life has to offer and for the selflessness of fellow human beings in sharing a special brotherhood and comradery. British competitor Diego Car Carvajal reflects on how his en enjoyment lay in letting the experience be the prize. I know it sounds so cliche, but it is surprising how, how despite the pain of my knee, the heat, the sand, the heels, and how hard each of these races are, just how much I miss them when I come home and how much I miss the simplicity of it all and remember only the good points. Singaporean Vanessa Tan echoes his sentiment. Every day I look back at the experience and smile. I cannot remember the heat and the tiredness very well, but I do remember the feeling of empowerment upon reaching each campsite and the crazy laughs we had. I remember the thousand of stars above me as I brushed my teeth each morning. I remember the feeling of peace as I turned my head to admire the soft, smooth dunes around me. 250 kilometers later, I have made many friends and I know that inside I'm a new person. The process of self-discovery is coupled closely with finding an inner calmness. That then is the essence, the reward and the heart of adventure. Not a dramatic climax that demands to be led, but, but an inner peace. Peace is the outcome of adventure. Epilogue, practice for life's run. So what was it that inspired me to embark on this journey? Was it blind courage or careless ambition? An unshakable conviction or a neurological catastrophe? American writer Ken Casey, who wrote the novel One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, has the best answer. The answer is never the answer. What is really interesting is the mystery. If you seek the mystery instead of the answer, you will always be seeking. I have never seen anybody really find the answer. They think they have, so they stop thinking. But the job is to seek mystery, evoke mystery, plant a garden in which Strange plants grow and mysteries bloom. The need for myself, the need for the need for mystery is greater than the need for an answer. A spirit of curiosity is without question a great. My search for mystery has yielded much in terms of answers, and I have been profoundly enriched. In participating in this acclaimed series, I learn that real growth is not about moving from not knowing to knowing, but stepping from the known to the unknown. That is where learning truly begins. I learned that having a purpose and getting involved in something much larger than ourselves stirs us to, ins to inspired action. Otherwise, we are just in busy activity, running around every day without actually moving forward. While the body is in motion, the inner self is lost in lethargy. Our purpose works in tandem with our values to give us the UI.
knowing the why gives meaning to the activity and how and what i learned what austrian psychiatrist and nazi concentration camp survivor victor frankl mean meant in his book man's search for meaning don't aim at the success the more you aim at it and make it a target the more you are going to miss it for success like happiness cannot be pursued it must ensue and it only does so as the unintended side effect of one's dedication to a cause greater than oneself or as the by product of one's surrender to a person other than oneself participating in the four desert was my goal something that i wanted to accomplish it was my platform on which to inspire passion and purpose people often ask what the best part of ultra endurance racing is it is to be with a community of amazing people to be a part of some culture and secret society with its own dress code and customs positions are exchanged and love is expressed as if we are all the dearest of friends men and women drop their identities and navigate through the linguistic morass to be caring human beings coming together to share in an unforgettable experience it is inspiring simply to be in their mind midst midst and be affiliated with their greatness i learn to be careful about the energy i bring to other people we are all antennas beaming frequencies to everyone around us we cannot not influence others and what we bring affects our surroundings accordingly i know what kind of environment i want to thrive in positive affirming and nurturing so it is up to me to be uplifting in spirits so that when other people are with me or even look at me they respond in kind i learn that also means staying away from energy suckers these are people who complain whine and engage in pity parties they are the ones who belittle our ambitions and accentuate our inadequacies never sacrifice who we are because someone else has an issue with it they are small people and if we are not growing in their company it is time to find new friends big people are those who make us feel that we are great or can be great they help us be the best that we can be choose them i learned that helping someone else pull through his difficult moments is to help myself too those trying times with debora fries sion goyle linda gary and fidge underscored the benefits of shifting the spotlight onto supporting someone else i generated more vitality found more strength and experienced a greater sense of progress by becoming interested in helping other people than by alloying in my own problems and of course i made friends for life i learned to to also ask for help if i do not ask then the result is the same as no the series would have been a lot harder if i had done it all by myself it would still have been possible but there is no need for me to do it all alone the advice and assistance from others and the collaboration and partnerships with others made things no less challenging but a whole lot 
more fun and a great deal easier being open to receiving help secures a higher chance of success risk taking is almost always a prerequisite for success these races contain enough risk to draw a significant number of people like myself for whom such activities are important and fulfilling part of our lives but we come with our dark side too and mine is in the form of impatience i previously considered myself more of a sprinter in how i led my life i got bored easily and did not stick around long enough for my efforts to bear fruit participating in the four desserts helped to change much of that i learned that little steps add up to my big goals by my crude calculation i estimated that i took half a million footsteps in each race including the months of training and multiplying that number by four the entire four desserts dream came alive after 10 million steps that is a daunting number so large that it makes the dream near impossible if i had allowed myself to be cowed by that figure i never would have started that is why ancient chinese philosopher lao tzu said the journey of a thousand miles begin with a single step that first step is the most difficult yet most powerful if we do not step forward we will always be in the same place i learned that once i am moving the only step that matters is the next one completing a race of such magnitude is all about putting one foot in front of the other especially during the grueling moments where the body is protesting every single moment the best thing to do is to coax it forward a little continuous repetition of a winning formula is the perfect recipe just looking up to see how far we have covered erases any doubt of its effectiveness the same applies to my life aspiration or meaningful relationship there are no shortcuts and breaking down a large objective into smaller targets accumulates little victories into large wins i learned that taking small steps is not the same as acting small acting small sets of sets us up for failure taking small steps set, sets us up to succeed it is those small things that can make a big difference putting on a fresh pair of socks trying the shoelaces correctly sticking a small pieces of tape on fresh texture these small actions when done properly and in a timely fashion have remarkable insignificance significance in the short and long run in order to accomplish the big things we first need to do the small things right i learned to pace myself by saying no it paid to resist being drawn to a gathering by the campfire in favor of resting in the tent it was sensible to conserve energy and not spring spring to catch up with the person ahead it was prudent to defy the tendency to ignore niggling problems and deal with them on the spot saying no to an extra portion of dessert on a full stomach is liberating as if declining lucrative projects that do not fit my time schedule or compromise my mental health i can have everything i just do not need them 
all at once. Each stretch ends with a sterilized needle into a blister or an intravenous saline drip into an arm for some. For others, it is several minutes of putting their feet up. A few sit in groups to pour over the course notes and plan their tactics. More than a few engage in quiet contemplation of the mysteries and blessings of life. Everyone loads up on fluids and carbohydrates. Whatever the activity in and around can, our eyes are set on what is next and our actions serve the intention of preparing us for the next day. I learned that rest and recovery is a form of preparation and that is to recuperate from cerebral exhaustion as much as physical fatigue. Going away on holiday before the last desert and Atacama crossing rested my mind and body. There is a great deal of truth about refreshing and recharging our batteries. We clear our heads, we create perspectives and think better. I liked my exercise consultant's approach to training. Don't do it if you can't set, get up the next, two, next day and do it all over again. They used to say, that is sound advice to apply to life as a whole. I learned not to worry about what I cannot control. The weather, the terrain and the course will be what they will be. There is nothing I can do to change them or surrounding circumstances. It is more productive and generative for me to look at what I can control and that is to respond to those circumstances. That means simply, that may imply a change in my inner perception or a form of onward action or simply not reacting to it. If we cannot do anything about a situation, forget it. I learned to develop childlike qualities. There were tears and laughter galore in the deserts as the competitors went through a multitude of emotions. Just like the world of children, there was no holding back. Those who fully immersed themselves in their feelings are better able to let go and move forward. There is no emotional baggage to hold us back. We feel lighter and sprightier. When we stop laughing, we stop playing. When we stop playing, we stop living. Winner of the Nobel Prize for Literature, George Bernard Shaw, who lived to a ripe old age of 94, had a case in point when he said, we don't stop playing because we grow old. We grow old because we stop playing. Antarctica was the hardest of the four deserts, not because of the race per se, I made it hard for myself long before I even landed on the continent. I could not shift my mind from the potential dangers of running there and my negative self-talk about my qualifications vis-a-vis -vis the other competitors, further compounded matters. As it turned out, the run itself was comparable with the other deserts. I dare say it was even the easiest of the whole series. I learned to have a positive expectancy towards my pursuits. This is to have a buoyant faith that something can be done. Sometimes we are faced with evidence and information that makes it really hard to fathom how it can be possible. Often the battle is with our own self-imposed obstacles. 
when we cannot alter the, that frame of reference, we develop a scotoma or blind spot. We become so constricted to that narrow viewpoint that we cannot see the way out, even when it is there right under our nose. But when we come from a deep belief that we have whatever it takes to succeed, then we broaden our scope to see how we can go about it. I learned that I am good enough. The importance of viewing ourselves as deserving or self-appreciation cannot be overemphasized. By freeing myself from the fear of abandonment and affirming my own self-worth, I am able to reduce to reduce or give up my need for approval from others. When we no longer worry about what others might think or need validation from other people, then we will no longer be afraid of not getting their approval. When we line up at the start line of life, we start as equals, as good or worthy as the next person. I learned that just as a person's definition of success differs from others, so too does the interpretation of value. The Confucius say, our greatest glory is not in never failing, but in rising ever, every time we fail. Hence, that failure of taking place only when we do not rise from a fall. I cannot even begin to count the number of times I stumbled over a rock, tumbled through thin ice, lost my sense of direction, or simply fell over during the races. If I manage to get back of every single time, then I can certainly do so in life. That means I can never fail. I learned that competition is about running my own race. Everyone comes with his own set of expectations, intended aims and personal desires. They are the other players. They are the other players in my game of life. Their performance is intended to drive me to greater heights and higher peaks. This win-win perspective allows us to focus on playing our own game and not get distracted into a win-lose situation or beating the other person at his own game. There was no one single four deserts encounter to be had by all. My own experience is special and unique in itself. Maybe I was merely the messenger and that my calling was to go on this race and use it to change the lives of others. A willingness to get out there and invest in a dream that could blaze a trail of hope for all who have ever postponed one. I learned the participation is the real price. American poet Ralph Waldo Emerson said, we are always getting ready to live, but never living. From my first event, few have asked about how well I fared. That is because it is not about winning or losing. My ranking was not the point. What stirred most people was that I stopped thinking and talking about running the four deserts and actually did it. That is what matters, taking action. It is never too late to nurture a dream and give chase to it. I learned to be honest about my goal, about what I truly want. Every competitor says that his main objective is to complete the race. That is true. That is the bottom line. What is the fallback goal? There is also another one. 
that is the one that drives us forward. Mind begin with not finalizing last, not finishing last. Then it was finishing mid-table. What is your life goal? I learned to goal set forward. Crossing the finish line each day, the body immediately goes into shutdown mode. Any activity after that is a core. That is to be expected since the mind and body were not tuned into anything else. To goal set forward is to reset the goal. As we approach it, it is to look forward and set a new landmark or milestone. It keeps us moving forward and sustaining the achievement. It is what multiplies the money and have made the bills made and build the love we have established. I learn not to take myself too seriously. What is the secret to an accomplishment which Men's Health magazine calls pushing the limits of human endurance? There is no secret beyond a stubborn determination to laugh and have a good time regardless of circumstances and conditions. When the going gets tough, smile and laugh, Remember the big picture and enjoy the challenge. See the beauty that is all around. Adventures and athletes represent the idea of the human spirit pushing limits and breaking down parameters. The purest form of running and of athletics is to break through the supposed boundaries of what the human body can do. On an individual level, it is to break through the confines of what a person previously accomplished. There is no winning, not losing. For adventures and athletes, success lies in the journey of the human spirit. Joy is found not when our phase race is finished, but while we are racing. The journey is more important than the destination. This journey is our practice. Such a way of living, of freedom, needs to be prepared for and cultivated. There are lessons everywhere. Each moment in the four desert was a lesson. The entire experience was a lesson, but these priceless lessons will come to naught if they remain as mere theories, concepts, and ideas. We need to use them and apply them constantly and consistently. They will be what shapes our lives. By loving our practice, we integrate our new discoveries into our repertoire and luxuriate in the real juice of life and living. When you are inspired by some great purpose, some extraordinary project, all thoughts break their bounds. Your mind transcends limitations, your consciousness expands in every direction, and you find yourself in a new, great, and wonderful world. Dormant forces, faculties, and talents become alive, and you discover yourself to be a greater person by far than you ever dreamed yourself to these words by Patanjali in the Yoga Sutra succinctly outline the art and science of yoga meditation for self-realization. They also outline a way of living that is path of living life with a passion to be our best self. We must run our lives or else life will run us by. So about Thaddeus and Lawrence. Thaddeus Lawrence is a speaker, trainer, and co-author of 88 Essential Secrets for Achieving Greater Success at Work.
with his positive spirit and inspiring message, Thaddeus empowers audiences and readers to live with more passion and purpose and develop personal mastery. Thaddeus impacts a range of organizations in the corporate government and education and non-profit sectors. By adopting the mentality and rituals of elite athletes, he imparts his seven P's of peak performance, purpose, people, pacing, perspectives, preparation, participation, and practice. Having appeared on channel New Year's primetime morning and 938 live to share his insights, Thaddeus has also featured numerous times in the street times today. The new paper, Action Asia and Men's Health. This is the way to let me show you and share the screen. If you can see, this, these are the ways to seek connection with Thaddeus. So, this completes our book reading of Runaway, Runaway Success. And with that, we learned many principles of resourceful influencing and how, how to be the best way, best possible way to live life. Hope you have enjoyed and thank you for being here.